Okay. So um, I want to start by reading something. I usually don't like to read, even if it's things that I write. Um, I prefer to just speak and, and try to let the Lord give me the words to say. Um, this is something that I began to write, just collect a collection of thoughts. Um, I guess you could say it was in some ways inspired by some of the current events taking place right now. And by that, I mean the, um, what I would term the civil unrest. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to try to stay as apolitical, that means non-political, as possible. I'm going to try to stay as biblical as I can with, with these remarks. And then I think we'll move on from this and talk about a couple of other scriptures. Um, but this is uh, something that I've been feeling and I felt the Lord kind of give me these thoughts. So I want to, I want to start by sharing this with you and I'll preface it by saying, um, thank the Lord. We live in Yakima, Washington. It's a great place to live. It's a wonderful place to live. Um, it's a great city with great people. I'm thankful for that. Um, I'm speaking to you tonight, tonight from Memphis, Tennessee. It's also a great city, also great people. Um, very different dynamics, and obviously all over the country, all over the world, wherever you go, there are different dynamics that are in play. Um, when, I guess last week, or around uh, that time frame, when a lot of this civil unrest seemed to start around the nation. Um, the term uh, or the, the idea, the, the subject of racism was really coming back to the forefront of our society. And um, I believe that racism is real. I, I've seen it, I've heard it, I've, I've witnessed it in many ways. Um, from from the person that you most expect to the person that you least expect. It's just sometimes you you're, all of a sudden it takes you off guard. Wow, that's that's really how a person would feel. That's really how a person would think. That's and it, it's real. So I'm, I'm not minimizing or saying that it's not real. But in relation to all that's taking place and that has taken place in the last few um, days and weeks here, specifically in our nation, um, what I felt the Lord tell me was racism uh, is not the real problem that we're seeing and even what's instigating some of these things. Uh, the, the real problem is iniquity, not racism, not anything else, iniquity. And I don't intend to, to make this Bible study about iniquity tonight. I don't feel led to do that, but I, I, I do feel led to share this um, and just really quickly, iniquity is not wanting to obey. That's probably the, the, the furthest down that I could break it and, and, and the uh, most simple way that I can um, describe it. The, 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 the word that would be synonymous with it is lawlessness. No law, not having law or not applying law to yourself. By law, we mean rules. We mean things that you're told. And now I'm not talking about uh, our civil law 
I'm talking about the spiritual law. I'm talking about God's law, God's order, and uh, his word, the things that he has given us. So iniquity, if, I, if it is lawlessness, if it is outside of obeying, I'm talking specifically about obeying God, okay, in this context. So the real problem that we have been seeing play out is individuals not obeying God. And that is, I, 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 I'm saying that, and I'm going slow, I'm trying to be careful here because I don't want you to jump ahead of me and think you know what I mean when I say these things. Most people don't even know to the extent or the degree with, to which they are disobeying God, okay? It's kind of like saying, uh, I had this, uh, I have a child and, and they've never been into a restaurant ever. Maybe we've only ever eaten at our house. And then when they're five years old, I'm going to take them to the restaurant for the very first time. And when you get there, I expect, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm, I'm just going to expect you to know how to behave in this restaurant. Well, we know, uh, those of us that have had parents, and even if you haven't, uh, children, those of us that have had children, we've all had parents, right? Um, but those of us that have not had children would even know, that's probably not a good idea. And I really don't know why you would expect that child to behave and know how to behave and act in a setting or a situation where you haven't explained to them what's right and what's wrong and what's expected of them. So that's what I mean when I say most people don't even know that they are disobeying God's rule, God's law, God's order. That does not excuse the fact that it's taking place. It explains it. Okay. It's supposed to just give me understanding of what's taking place so that I, so that I can really know. Now, again, the real problem is iniquity, not racism. Racism is a byproduct of iniquity, just like every other sin. Now, sin, iniquity and sin are not even synonymous. A sin is a byproduct of iniquity, okay? Iniquity is, I'm just not going to do, I'm not going to obey, I'm going to do my own thing. And so doing my own thing, okay, well, that could be this sin, this sin, this sin, this sin, this sin. And each one of those is a byproduct of where did this start? It started with me not wanting to obey. It started with iniquity in that sense. So it's a, racism is a byproduct of iniquity just like every other sin. Racism is evil. It's a manifestation of evil but it is also hatred, okay? Two terms with very different um, origination, evil and hatred, okay? Evil is something very specifically against God. It's in an absence of God, in opposition to God, okay? That's what evil, if we just, if you just simply think about what, what is the word evil, what does it mean? What does it mean if something is evil? Okay. Uh, it's against God. It's against God's um, nature. So it's evil. Racism is evil. It is an as that is an aspect of it, but it is also derived from hatred. Hatred 
is not a spiritual thing in this sense that we're talking about it right now. Hatred is a human thing. What I will really say is hatred, scripturally, to say it, it is a work of the flesh. We might get there and talk about that a little bit more. But Galatians 5, remember it talks about the works of the flesh are manifest, and they are these, and it lists a, a, a good list of those things, adultery, fornication, immorality, all, all those things going down the list, and it gets to hatred. Hatred and variance, the, those two items, we, I would lump them together as how we think of hatred and we see it. So racism, racism is rooted in hatred in this, in this regard. Hatred is a work of the flesh. It is a part of the human nature. Now listen again, that does not excuse it at all. It should help me understand it, though. There's a difference in excusing something and explaining something. What I'm trying to do is explain where this comes from. What, what is hatred? Now, how we see it play out how we see uh, an example of this, uh, an example of a work of the flesh or something that's evil uh, and human nature that are wrong. We see it play out in an action. Okay, think about sequence of events for a second. And now I'm, I'm starting with an action that we see. And then we, we term that that's racist or that that's hateful or, or whatever it is. But it starts with me perceiving or seeing that action, whether it's on the news or whether it's something that I hear from the person beside me or something that I observe in that way. I see the action, right? That's really what the scripture means when it says the works of the flesh are manifest. Manifest means it comes into appearance. All of a sudden you see it. All of a sudden you observe it. So we've got the action. Taking, so taking a deeper dive into this, the action is rooted in hatred. Hatred is in this in this context the hatred is rooted in racism the racism is rooted in evil okay so look at let's look at the reverse of this for a second now i think most of us would agree on those basic steps as far as you know uh you've probably seen this i've seen this we, people use children as an example and children are not born inherently um hateful or inherently racist or or anything like that it, 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 you don't you, you see it play out later and so it, it, what the point of that is it's not just something that a human being is born with it's a fact it's an outside factor or element that's that's brought into a person's life so let's look at the reverse of this that list that i just gave you it goes from you see an action the actions rooted in hatred, that hatred is a result of racism and that racism is a result of evil. Look at it from the reverse, evil. It starts with evil. Now evil is looking and has always, since the beginning of our world, evil has looked for a way to manifest itself. Evil has looked for a way to manifest itself. All the way back as early as Adam and Eve in the garden. And that evil manifesting itself in a serpent. 
That's proof of how evil wants to manifest. And, and in that instance, it, it manifested itself um, through the serpent to cause sin. You get what I'm saying? The evil wants to manifest itself to provoke someone or, some, or a group of people to sin. That's the goal of the evil. Lead you or lead me away from what is right into sin. So looking again from the reverse, it's going it, to, a way that it can manifest itself is racism. Evil will use an avenue such as racism to manifest itself. Now it's going to use whatever method it can to get that into a person's life, into a person's heart, into a person's spirit. If it can root something like that in you, then it knows it will manifest. And when it does, it will be sin. That is the goal of this evil force that we're talking about. So it goes from evil and rooted in evil, choosing the route or the method or the mechanism of racism. And that racism produces or promotes hatred. Okay? Hatred. Now, we can act, a person that is following this sequence can start to manifest actions as a result of that hatred, okay? That hatred now is producing itself through actions, and that's what we see. All we see is a bunch of bad acts, what, or what you might see is you, you, you see something, and if you think, well, that's racist, well, then you think, okay, well, that's probably not a good thing. That's a bad thing, what they're doing. So you're, you're looking at the action. What I'm saying is we're looking at from how it got to the place of an action, how it got from evil, an evil source, or as I said, an evil force generating the action. And so it goes through the, these steps, this mechanism. The evil, now let me talk just again really quickly about this, the kind of the dual aspects, as I said, of racism. It is rooted in evil and it is manifested through hatred, the human uh, work. The evil aspect is not human nature. The aspect of racism, which is evil, is not human nature. God did not create evil human beings. Okay, I'll say that again. God did not create evil human beings. But even as far back as the days of Noah, men's hearts became evil. Evil entered into the heart of a man. I, again, I use the example of Adam and Eve in the garden and evil looking for a way to manifest itself. And in just that exact same method or formula or thought behind all of this is what the evil force wants to do and what it wants to produce. So as far back as the days of Noah, 
evil entered into the hearts of men, and men's hearts became and then stayed evil continuously. This is because evil had entered into their hearts, entered into their minds, and entered into their lives. Now, I will look at a scripture here, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. This is exactly the passage that I'm talking about, but I want you to see it in the scripture. Verse 5, Genesis 6, verse 5. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Trace this back, if you will. We're talking about before the flood, before he, st he decides to use Noah to, to save uh, the human race. Trace it back before then, Adam and Eve, and then the generations that followed. You know, the evil, it manifested itself in that serpent to cause Eve to sin. And then God says, I am going to put enmity between you. He says in the serpent, he's talking about not just the fact that us as humans are going to be fighting against snakes as animals for the rest of our lives. He's talking about the evil force that was in that serpent. I'm going to put the word says, enmity between you and the serpent, and between your seed and his seed. Everything that that evil produces is that evil seed. And everything that you, as the, as the human, God's creation, uh, God's child, his offspring, everything that you represent, and then your offspring, is going to be at odds with what evil has produced. So again, it says, it goes from Adam and Eve, the very next generation or the very next offspring was Cain and then Abel. And we know in that instance, again, evil looked for a way to manifest itself. It did so in the heart of Cain to cause him to have hatred against his brother. Evil looking for a way to manifest itself. And in the, in the interaction and the exchanges of Cain and Abel, we again saw the manifestation of an evil force or a, an evil agenda, an evil purpose. Because remember what I said, that evil's purpose is to get, get a person to sin. If it can get you from no sin to sin, that's what it wants to do, and it will use any area, any avenue, any force possible to do that. And so in that instance, it used hatred between Cain and Abel. It caused him to hate his brother, and we saw the action that, that took place out of that. It was murder. Cain killed Abel because of the hatred 
I love how it says in that passage, the explanation, God decides to talk to Cain afterwards. He says, you know, if you, if you do, if thou doest well, you will be accepted. If you do what's right, you'll be accepted. If you don't do what's right, sin is lying at the door. That's what God told Cain after all this played out. You, you know, if you would have just done what's right, you would have been accepted. But because you didn't, sin, and, and it's not talking about now that you've murdered someone, you know, you're, you're going to have this terrible life. No, he's going all the way back to the action that produced when he said, if you do what's right, you'd be accepted. He's talking about his, something as simple as bringing a sacrifice to God. So I know that. I can, I can infer from that statement, Cain did know what was right, what was expected of him. You, sh you, you know that if you do that, and you do it correctly, you'll be accepted. But if thou doest not, if, if you do what's wrong, if you don't do what's expected, sin is lying at the door. It's waiting. It's waiting for you. And so we see from just that example of Adam and Eve, and then that next example of Cain and Abel, and then on down through the line as men begin to, to grow in number and, and produce and, and multiply and fill the earth, we get to where we read here in Genesis 6-5, every thought of, of man was evil continually. Verse 6, it says, And it repented the Lord that he had made men on the earth, and it grieved him, at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. And verse 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Look, if you will, I've got to find this next passage. Look at Luke chapter 17. Here's where I'm going to divert a little bit. I, I, I didn't have thoughts and intentions of just getting on here and talking about racism. That's not what I want to do. Um, but I'm using this example uh, to talk about how, what Scripture says about all of these things. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. No, sorry, let's go down. Um, i got to find my passage, sorry. Uh, verse 30. Luke chapter 17, verse 30. Nope, I'm jumping up again. Verse 20, I apologize. Luke 17 and 20. I, I want you to see this passage. We were just talking about Noah and all those things they apply in this scripture. When he was demanded of Jesus, when Jesus was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, so in other words, they came and they demanded him to tell them, when is the kingdom of God going to come? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. <laughs> he means you're not going to see it with your eyes when it happens. 
Remember, all, all of Jesus' ministry, it says he was preaching the kingdom. He was showing the kingdom, sharing the kingdom of God with men. And so, hearing this, they decide, let's just go ask him, when is this going to happen? And he says, it cometh not with observation. Verse 21, neither shall they say, lo here, or lo there, or look here, or look there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said to the disciples, the days will come. Okay, notice he went from talking to the, the Pharisees. That was all the answer that he gave them when they said, when's the kingdom of God going to come? He said, you're not going to see it with your eyes. You're not going to observe it. You can't say, look over there because the kingdom of God is over there or look over here. Nope, it's within you. And then verse 22, he decides to go and have a different, separate, private conversation with his disciples. He says to them, the days will come when you shall desire to see one of these days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they say unto you, see here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. Did you catch that? I don't think I have ever heard that verse in a sermon, message, lesson. I might have, but I'm almost 35 years old, and I don't think I've ever heard that said. With as much has been said about the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord, the, his return, and, and all of that, and watching for it, and hoping, and expecting, and no man knows, and all that, I don't think I've ever even heard someone use this passage as they talk about that. Let me read it again. The day will come when you shall desire to see, you're going to want to see one of these days of the Son of Man. I, I, I just want to see the return. I, I, I'm hoping, I'm looking, I'm expecting to see the day that he's going to return. And Jesus says, you shall not see it. They say, he's saying, people will come to you and tell you, look, see here or see there. If you look over here, if you look at these things, you will see this is going to lead you to the, the day of God, the day of the Son of Man to return. And he's saying, don't go after them. Don't follow them. Verse 24, for as the lightning... That, lighten, that lighteneth out of one, out of the one part under heaven, shineth unto the other part under heaven. Think of lightning, a lightning bolt in your eye for a minute. It's going to light up that part of the sky and that part of the sky. I used to, we have this a lot down here in the south uh, where I am right now. They call it cloud-to-cloud -cloud lightning. It's different from cloud-to-ground. You just look it up and you see it happening up there in the clouds. That's what this is saying. This, this is what the Son of Man will look like in his day. So it says, it, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. He's going to light up over there, and he's going to light up over there. And before that lightning struck, you didn't know what that sky looked like, and you didn't know what that sky looked like. You, you just couldn't see it. But boom, there's light there, and all of a sudden you see it. And then boom, you see it over there. He's saying that's what the Son of Man is going to be like 
in his day. Verse 25, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall ye also be in the days of the Son of Man. Now he's talking about how that sudden destruction or that, that flood, the destruction that came from the flood, he's talking about how it happened in their day. As it was in the days of Noah, shall, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married, wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. In other words, they were going about their business. They were just living their lives. They were doing the things that they do on a daily basis all the way up until the day that Noah got on the ark. That's what it's going to be like when the Son of Man returns, when, the, when, the, when his day comes. Verse 28, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone on, from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. He that's in the field, likewise, let him not return back. Remember Lot's wife. That's a nice short memory verse, if anybody's just looking for a short, short verse to, to memorize. Luke 17, 32. Remember Lot's wife. It's really actually, it's extra easy to remember because it starts with the word remember. Okay, that's a, that's a brief uh, moment there, reprieve for you. Luke 17, 32, what does it say? Somebody quote it. Remember Lot's wife. Now verse 33, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. If anything, I've said this already before multiple times, I'm sure. If anything, what we have seen take place from March until now, now it's June, what we have seen take place over these last roughly three months, it should be a sobering awakening call to us individually and as a church. It should be a call for us to know, okay, something's happening. The Lord is up to something. He's working in some way, in some fashion, and I should be paying attention to this. I should be learning and seeking to learn what are you trying to do with all this, Lord. Just as those people had Noah screaming at them, it's going to flood, it's going to rain, you were... You are going to be lost if you don't repent and change. That was his voice. That was what Noah was saying. That is what we are all getting to experience right now. It's what we've all experienced from the moment we first heard the gospel, really. However long ago that was in our lives, we have been hearing 
time is not always going to continue as you know it right now, as you've seen it, as you've known it from the days of your childhood. Time will not continue as it has been. It will end. It will change. And hearing that should be enough for each one of us to say, okay, I'm paying attention. I'm listening. I'm intent with this. My mind, my spirit, I, I'm trying to keep it engaged. I, I'm trying to keep it open and, and, and watchful. Now, the scripture does say, watch and pray. The scripture does say, look for his appearing. Expect it. Know that it's going to happen. Now, I, I'm almost done. I'm about, to, I'm about to stop talking here. But let me draw this distinction. Because there is a difference. And what Jesus just said to his disciples there in Luke 17 that we read, when he said, people are going to be coming to you and telling you, if you look in, at this, at this, in this way, you're going to see the day, something that looks like the day of the Lord. Or if you look over here. And, and that is not the same. Paying attention to those things. Because he said, don't go after them. Don't follow them. That is not the same thing as when the scripture says we love his appearing. We look for his appearing. We watch. We are, we are waiting, expecting it. Okay? All, I don't have to, the time to go through this, but so much of Paul's writing, he's writing to the church and saying, you are different from the rest of the world, if you are in the church, if you are a part of the church, your mindset about all of these things, about all of these events is different than everybody else in this world. I'll tell you what, okay, I, I, I feel like I should say this and I will. There are enough, there are people that know enough about scripture and whether or not their life even looks or reflects like they believe it at all or not, they think they have time to do what they want to do before they change and do what they know they're supposed to do. They know enough about the Bible, they know enough about God, the things of God, to know, yeah, I, I, I believe you. I hear you, preacher. I believe one of these days the Lord's coming back and it won't be pretty for the people that aren't living right. That's, that's not too far out to say them. A lot of people know that and believe that. But just like with Eve, with Cain, with all these things, when I said evil is looking for a way to manifest itself, it, evil can manifest itself in just as, just as much, just as real in someone's life and cause them to just withdraw from, from the things of God. What, what the deceit would be is to, to withdraw temporarily or even momentarily. That, that, that evil, that evil force could come into a person's life with, an, with a 
uh, with an avenue and say, yeah, you're a Christian. Yeah, you know about the Bible. Yes, you know what to do to get right and be right when God's going to, going to return. So you're good. You know all those things. So since you know all those things and you know that you can, can do and follow and obey that at any time, why not just pause all that stuff, leave it there on the shelf, leave the Bible open to the page that you want to read, and go over here and just withdraw from that enough to entertain other things, to, to be a part of other things just for a while, just for a season. And then when, we're, when you're done here, you can just meander back over there and yep, your Bible will still be open to that page and it'll be ready for you. That is deceit. And that is the level to which the enemy would go to try and find a way to manifest itself in our lives. We look for the, the Lord's appearing. We, we watch for that. We expect it. We believe it. Amen. We believe it. That one day the Lord is going to come back. He's going to take the church off of this earth in a rapture. We believe that. So if we, if we do, if we believe that and we know that that's true, my question is, why would we not act like we believe that all the time? I feel conviction of the Lord right now. Um, I think it would be good if we just prayed. Let, let your heart be open to the Lord. I, I, I believe it. I feel that he's speaking to us right now. Jesus, Lord, I pray. I want my heart to be right. I want to be in right standing with you. In the name of Jesus. God, I believe that your word is true. I believe that you are the creator of the world. All that your word says is true, God, and it applies to my life. I pray right now, God. I, I repent of every sin. Come on, just take a minute. It's, a, it's fine. We're not in a rush. This is what the Lord wants us to do right now. I repent of every sin, God. I want my life to be right. I want my heart to be clean. I want my mind to be pure as it would be according to your word, Jesus. Lord, I pray right now that you would lead me, continue to lead me, God, in a life and in a direction and a path that is pleasing to you, God, that is led by you. I don't just want to look for things that are right so that I can do them to please you. I want my life to be led every day, every moment by you. In the name of Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with, with saying something that I heard um, Brother Mike McGurk on, sat, on Sunday. You got to hear that. It was great. Um, something that he said has stuck with me ever since he said it. Uh, he was talking about how he was praying and seeking the Lord and asking the Lord, what is your speed? What's, what's the, the pace that you move at? You know, um, because he was talking about, well, this person can seem like they have a walk from, with God and they're so different from this person. Maybe this one is the, the calm, quiet, collected type, and this one is the loud, boisterous, excitable type. 
whatever it is. And he's just saying there, there's so many different ways and aspects. People look and act differently. Lord, what is your speed? What is your pace? And what he said, it was really profound. He said that the Lord told him, my speed is obedience. The, the pace that I want you to go is obedience. And it's, it's true because what it, what it means is I don't get to pick the pace. I don't get to just decide, well, I'm this type of person. I'm a loud person and I say everything I think and I don't care who it offends. I'm just that type of person. That's who I am. That's how God made me. So that's how I'm going to be. Well, you better make sure you're in obedience. Neither do we get to say, well, I just, I'm fine. I don't really care. I don't have feelings one way or the other about it. I think it's all going to be okay. Uh, you, you know what? You better be in obedience with that. Either way, you see opposite ends of the, of the spectrum. So when he says God's speed is obedience, and he, if you read the Bible, the Bible is the model of the type of life we are supposed to live from the day we're born until the day that we die. And I guarantee you, you're not going to go from birth to death all at one speed, all at one type. You're, you can't say, well, I'm just the loud, you know, loud mouth person that I, I say what I want to say. And, and I hope the Lord's good with that because that's how I'm going to be. You, you might be that sometimes. You might be that whenever you can get away with it. But I guarantee you, your whole life, you're not going to get away with that. And you might be the, the quiet, reserved one that just says, no, I, I just won't speak up. You won't be able to do that your whole life. Okay? So this, this is what it means. This is such why it's so important to know the obedience factor here. Everything. I, I am not being facetious when I say this. Everything that I do with my day with my time, should be run through the filter of, of obedience to God. That's the only way I can get there. I mean, we, we kind of started talking about this at the beginning with iniquity. The iniquity is disobedience, doing what I want to do instead of what I know I'm supposed to do. So if I'm running it through the filter of obedience, then I know uh, I need to pick up the pace a little bit here right now, or, hey, this is going to be a time that you just need to calm and, and chill out and relax a little bit. Whatever it is, he's the one that gets to decide it. He's the one that gets to choose and pick that pace. Amen. Amen. Well, I've tried to share with you what the Lord gave me, and uh, I think it would, uh, we already prayed for, for this word, but I, I want to pray again. Um, I want us to first pray for our, um, our cities locally. And then I want us to pray for our state, uh, or for our nation. Um, evil is looking for a way to manifest itself. That's all really all I can say that right now, the, the, the things that we're seeing right now play out is, evil being allowed to manifest itself all, through all of this. Okay. I, you might think I've got one particular instance in mind. I don't, I'm not thinking about this person, that person, this city, that city. I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm looking at what is playing out in our, in our world and in our nation. And what I'm seeing is that evil is finding ways to manifest itself. 
So we, 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 what I've talked about tonight is really the only thing that we can do in this sense is acknowledge it and then look for how to obey God because God will tell you what to do. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, I pray right now. I pray for the city of Yakima, Lord. Jesus, all those streets, all those neighborhoods, all those, those businesses, Lord, every person in every area of our city and our county. Jesus, I pray right now that the spirit of truth would prevail. God, that your word would be increased and multiplied and go forth, Jesus. Lord, even those that have heard in years back, in days back, whatever it is, they have heard your voice and they know your truth. I'm praying right now, God, activate it by your spirit in their life, in their mind, in their heart, so that truth would prevail. God, and I pray for those that have not yet had the truth of the gospel revealed and preached to them. I'm praying right now, Lord, the leading and orchestrating of your spirit to where you would lead those individuals to this place of hearing your gospel, seeing your truth, and getting to know you, your word, and your voice. God, I believe it. I believe you can do this. I know that it is your will, that it is your desire. And give us, Lord, the grace and the, the strength to obey you as you would lead us. Jesus, in your name, I pray for our nation right now. God, you see all that's taking place, even what we can't see. Jesus, you see everything. You know every person, every life, every individual. You know them all, each one of us, Father. God, I pray that you would cause your truth to prevail, that you would cause your will to be done. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we want to see your will be done. We want to see your kingdom established in this nation, in this earth, Lord. It is your instruction. You gave us the instruction to pray that your will would be done and that your kingdom would come. Father, we're asking it right now. We're believing in it. We're activating our faith, Jesus, and we're activating the truth of your word by these prayers. Let your kingdom come. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray it right now. I, I declare it in Jesus' name. Father, you know what the future holds. You know what tomorrow holds, God, and the rest of this week, the rest of this month, the rest of this year. You have put all that in your hands and your power. You're the one with the knowledge. God, we trust you with that right now. We trust you with it. We know you're looking out for us. God, we know that you're leading it and you're providing ways for your people and that you are reaching to others. Jesus, I submit myself right now, God. I submit my spirit. I submit my thoughts, my actions, my time, my schedule. I submit it all to you, Father. I place it in your hands for your care. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Well, thank you again. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being on here. I'm encouraging you. Let the Lord continue to, to speak these things to you. Go go in and, and read read and reread these chapters that we've talked about tonight. My goal is going to be to, to get this video uh, online so you can watch it again and share it with others, um, those that were not able to be on here tonight. Keep the body of Christ in prayer. Keep those that are uh, that the Lord would bring to your mind. Pray for them. I encourage you to do that. Lift them up before the Lord. Amen. By the grace of God, I'll be back in Washington State tomorrow, and we can continue to go forward and see whatever's going to be next. I don't have any specific items on a calendar yet, but I do want to share with you uh, we are looking for ways to, to come together in some fashion, whether it's at a park, whether it's wherever. We, in, you know, small groups, we're looking for ways. Um, and so I want you to know that. And we'll, we'll share what we can. We'll get together when we can and how we can. Don't lose hope. I'm sure, I'm sure every one of us at some point has been discouraged by the fact that we haven't been able to meet together physically. Uh, don't be discouraged. Don't give room for that because we want it and we are hoping and expecting it. Amen. The Lord's at work. I know that he is. Amen. Well, uh, I'll open up everybody's microphone that wants it to have it open so that you can greet one another. And um, let's do this. Oh, that was a mute. Okay. I think you can hear each other now. God bless Amen. Thank you for the word of encouragement. We needed that. We needed to hear that. Amen. Amen. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being on. Yeah. All of Amen. you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You all. Brother Gary, it's great to see you as well. I didn't get to say hi to you earlier, but I'm glad to see you. Sister Lynn, I miss you. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> and tell the kids I miss them. It, it, it gets, it's harder to, you know, every single person that I've met and talked to has said, how are your kids? So you have not been able to even be far from my mind at all. <laughs> I miss mm -hmm. you all. Looking forward to seeing you. And the rest of you, God bless you. I love you. Those of you that have family that's not on this, tell them hi for us as well. We all miss everyone. All right. God bless you. Have a good evening. God bless you. Thank Say you. hi to your parents. Hope to see you soon. Praise for them. Amen. Amen. Thank you.